Paul's letter to the Hebrews 9:11-14. Brethren, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Dash 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 dash. The first point to recognize in this epistle reading is the worldview of the original audience. As Paul was writing to the church local to Jerusalem, made up of primarily Jewish converts, he speaks in very Jewish terms. His original audience would have been very familiar with and comfortable with the idea of a priesthood, animal sacrifice and bloody substitution. When Paul uses these images, his audience would have perfectly understood the point he was making. In essence, he tells them that just as the high priest of the Old Covenant entered the Holy of Holies and used the blood of bulls and goats to achieve the purification of the flesh, Jesus Christ, in fulfillment of to what the Old Covenant pointed, entered the actual Holy of Holies and accomplished complete and total cleansing. Jesus' work purified man and brought them to a place where they could truly serve the living God. This passage is a wonderful explanation of Jesus Christ as fulfillment of the Old Covenant. This passage does not denigrate or downplay the importance and value of the Old Covenant system. That covenant truly and genuinely fulfilled its purpose but it was temporal and physical in nature. Whereas the New Covenant, under Jesus Christ as the High Priest, comprehensively restored man to a right relationship with God. Jesus brought man out of the slavery to sin and death. Paul here explains what Jesus accomplished in the Gospel reading. In Mark 10:32-45, we read. At that time, Jesus took his twelve disciples, and he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit upon him, and scourge him, and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized, but to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant of James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As this passage starts out, Jesus is explaining what it is that he has come to do. As we see elsewhere in the Gospels, the disciples really had little understanding of what Jesus was saying. They were still thinking in Old Covenant terms with its temporal limitations. They were thinking of Jesus as the Messiah and a military leader-slash-king who would free them from their enslavement to the Romans. They wanted another David who would free them give them their land back and establish them as a military powerhouse who could enjoy freedom in their own land. We see this especially in the verses that follow. James and John asked Jesus to promise them that they could sit at his right hand and his left hand. In other words, they wanted to be his immediate advisors and number one men. 
For them it was about power and prestige. They were still thinking in Old Covenant terms. But Jesus goes on to explain what His kingdom is really about. He begins by clarifying that those who will sit at His right hand and His left hand are not to be chosen by Him. Those positions have already been promised. He goes on to ask them if they think that they are able to drink of the cup that He will drink and to be baptized in the manner in which He will be baptized. They assure Him that they are. He confirms this by saying, that's right, you will drink of the cup and will be baptized. I would guess that they were most likely completely confused by all of this as Jesus has just told them that the right hand and left hand positions are already spoken for but at the same time, they will partake of the cup and baptism that He will. Jesus goes on to explain that to be a good leader, one must become a servant. Being a good leader, one will not be like the Gentiles, who lure their authority over their subjects. Instead they will serve their subjects as one would be served by a slave. Jesus' point must have been extremely confusing for His hearers. First, He was leading them out of the Old Covenant, which means that everything they knew or thought they knew about how God would be interacting with His people would be radically different. Second, He was telling them that all of the leadership roles that they knew and experienced would be nothing like the leadership of the Church. As we read elsewhere in Paul's writing, the Gospel would appear as foolishness to those outside the Church. Ultimately, the Epistle reading and the Gospel reading are explaining the same point. The reality that the Church would enjoy would be built upon the sacrificial work of the one true High Priest, Jesus Christ, who provided His own blood as a sacrifice to restore all creation. His work would be done, not in the Temple in Jerusalem and not within the framework of the Old Covenant. Instead, Jesus would restore men to a right relationship with God, not merely cover their sins with the blood of bulls and goats. When men were then in a position to faithfully serve God, they could do so as servant leaders, able to humble themselves and lead their people from a position of servitude. The final sentence of the epistle reading nicely summarizes the work that Jesus accomplished. The work that Jesus accomplished purified His people from the dead works of the Old Covenant into a place where they could actually serve the one true God. Being part of the people of God would no longer be about following externally written rules and the blood of animals covering their sins. Instead it would be about freedom to live in a right relationship with God because of a blood sacrifice that actually cleansed them from their sins. So instead of good works as rules to follow, it would be good works as an act of love toward God and toward his neighbor. Much like a man preparing for a marathon, who would run countless miles that actually counted for nothing but preparation. It would be when he actually ran the marathon that his actions would truly count for something. As men being cleansed by the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, we are now free to be in a loving relationship with God.